the music cut the music hey everyone welcome to episode 76 of the winging it podcast i'm andrew i'm joined as always by alex and ali they are freshly returned from that dallas massacre um i wish i could say i'm excited to talk about it but um who knows you know maybe we, we will find some positivity we will find the light at the end of the tunnel um before we get into anything make sure as always give us a follow on instagram wingin.it.pod uh, make sure you follow our youtube channel give us a follow on spotify on apple Podcasts. those are the big four so yeah make sure you're you're you're, you're following us you're you're and you know hey, we Drew, got lots we hit we hit four thousand followers on instagram over the weekend so 4k in there heck yeah 4,000 and rising 10,000 by the end of the season does not seem impossible. I'm, I'm keeping that goal in mind. All right. So, um, yeah, to football, um, it's now Tuesday evening. So we are, uh, over a day for, removed from what took place on Sunday night, which was the Eagles losing to the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 33 to 13. Um, this is the first time that the Eagles have lost back-to-back games with a healthy Jalen Hurts um, since before last season. Uh, it's been some time, so this is a little bit new to get used to. And we're ten and three, and it it, it still does feel like the sky's falling. I I have a nasty taste in my mouth. Uh, there's a lot to get into. Um, first off, guys, Ali, I'm going to kick it to you first. Overall, I mean, you you got to spend you got to spend a, some time in Dallas with your with with your buddy Alex over here. You got to go to the game. You got to take in the sights. How you doing at this point in time? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I think like the the outcome of the game, obviously, and how it transpired was was obviously not ideal. But overall, I'd say I had a really fun trip. Um, Alex is is a great roommate. Um, we had, uh, we had some fun banter back and forth with some Cowboys fans going to the game and coming back from the game. I, it was like, when I think back on the experience of going to Dallas, I would say that was probably more fun than going to the Super Bowl. Honestly, if I'm, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I gotta say, you know, I, and I know we have a few other fan bases that listen to us. Like, if your team is playing in Dallas and you're a fan of football, go. Just go. Um, it was so much fun. Uh, it was, like, borderline ridiculous, almost. Like, the stadium was just so incredibly massive. And Ali told me before the game, he's like, you know, we snuck down to the bottom of the field. We, there was this guy checking passes, and we got by him. And, and we're basically on the field taking pictures. And we looked up, and you couldn't make out, like, individual seats. Like, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it sometimes got cloudy in there. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm being I'm being serious about it. Um, the tech, the, you know, the, the Texas pride is all there. The Dallas pride, it was loud. It was over the top. Um, it was funny because we're watching the game. And the TV above the stadium is so large that I actually had to 
discipline myself into looking at the game because I had a better <laughs> vantage point of looking at the TV above it. And we had really good seats. Like we were in the 200 level. So, I mean, the whole thing was over the top. They love their cheerleaders. I could go on and on about it, but if you're a fan of football and there's a Dallas game on your schedule, go, you won't regret it. 10 out of 10 on the entertainment factor there. So being that the Philadelphia fans do travel pretty well, what percentage of the stadium would you say was, was Eagles fans? If you could make out a number. So I got to say, man, besides the seats, there is also a ridiculous standing room only where it's like three levels of people standing around waving towels and stuff. So it's really hard to get an accurate count. Ali, I want to say maybe 20 percent. Do you feel like that's pretty accurate? A little bit more? Maybe less, man. I like the majority of that stadium. I could spot like spurts and like little bits of Kelly Green jerseys throughout the stadium. But that was like. Heavy, heavy Cowboys fans in that stadium. Yeah, and the thing is, is we were actually, we bought the tickets the day before, and we've heard from Birdman, we heard from Nady to say, wait before a kickoff. We decided to pull the trigger on tickets the day before, and we made the right decision. An hour before kickoff, they were up 300%, where standing room only tickets went from $150 to $300. By the end of the first quarter, those tickets were $500 because Dallas was in the lead and people wanted to come in and see the Cowboys. So wow, not always waiting right before kickoff is always going to be the most sound strategy there. Well, I'm glad it all worked out because I know that before you left, you know, you you were a little unsure about how much you're going to be dishing out for tickets. So it sounds like everything worked out and you, you know, things went in your favor. You were able to find a good deal. So that's that's great. You made it into the stadium. I was unsure if if, if maybe (laughs) we were too. We were unsure, too. (laughs) All right. Well, let's uh, let's dig into this game a little bit. I'm going to let the two of you give your ups and downs and, you know, feel free to talk about your experience in Dallas if you wish. Or we can just keep it straight to the game. But let's get into it. Alex and Andrews, oh, two up, two down. All right, Ali, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you kick it off, my man. Hit me with your two ups. So my first up, uh, an unlikely hero in this entire game, uh, Braden Mann, our punter, yeah. um, had. <laughs> One of the, first of all, one of the ballsiest things that I'd ever seen an Eagles team do, which is go for a fake punt. Um, We usually just go for it on fourth and one or fourth and two because we know we're just going to get it. It's automatic with the tush push. But I I can't remember exactly the down. Well, obviously it was fourth down, but the distance on it, it was obviously way out of range for the tush push to be able to have sort of the, the courage to run a trick play like that and catch him off guard and throw a 28-yard pass to Alameda Zacchaeus was, in my mind, uh, the right play call, the right coaching in that moment, um, and perfect execution by Braden Mann, who threw an absolute dot to Zacchaeus. Um, My second up, um, and I debated on whether or not I should say this, uh, obviously because he had a fumble in the game, but A.J. Brown had himself a game despite the fumble, Um, He averaged over 10 yards per catch. Listen, we're going to talk about play calling. We're going to talk about everything that transpired over the course of the the offense as well as the defense in this game. But A.J. Brown, except for one mistake, which, by the way, Jalen Hurts had the same mistake. Devontae Smith had the same mistake. Despite that one mistake, he showed up. He had nine catches for, what was it, 94 yards? 94 yards? I would call that a pretty good game. Like, if Devontae Smith put that game together, we'd be like, man, the guy continues to produce. I'd say A.J. Brown was my second up. 
Alex, you're uh, you're giving me the face there. What's what's up, man? AJ Brown is one of my downs. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it. Well, I I want to hear your thoughts on why you think he had a good game, and I'll give you a few reasons on why I think it was the worst game of his Philadelphia Eagles career. But Andrew, provide some color for us. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you look at the box score, you see nine catches for 94 yards, and yeah, that's that's rock solid. Um, he did have what looked to be a catchable ball along the sidelines that would have put the Eagles maybe within like the five or 10 yard line. Yep. Uh, it was in his hands, and it, it really wasn't, it, it wasn't like a, a necessarily a good defensive play. It just seemed like he nonchalantly it just, he, he just didn't catch it. I mean, it hit his hands and it looked like he could have stayed in bounds. So th- that, that was, so that play actually happened right in front of us. Like we were right there at that sideline and it's very apparent that he couldn't track it. He turned his mm. head the wrong way and couldn't find it. And they hit him in the stomach or hit him in his man area, which you know, <laughs> third leg probably could have caught it too with that. Um, but you know, it's very apparent that he lost it. So, I mean, I how he gets get so much. <laughs> well, how do he get so much separation because he's got the third <laughs> yeah. leg that just pushes him yes. out of the way? Well, well, one thing that AJ Brown did before the game or on the field is he calls Stefan uh, Gilmore old. And yeah. Gilmore caused a fumble from AJ Brown. I don't know how many fumbles we've seen from him in a crucial moment of the game inside the red zone. One of three fumbles we had in the red zone. Um, He's saying he's bringing intensity after the 49ers game. They couldn't match it. Ali, I didn't see that at all. I thought that he 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 had some characteristic good catches. I'm surprised he broke for 90. But in the moments where we needed him to come up with that fumble, calling Gilmore old, dropping balls in the red zone when we really can't be doing that, I just I don't think he had a good game. Yeah, I guess for me, it's all relatively speaking. Um, The last couple of weeks, frankly, the last four games, especially in the first half of the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills games, I've I've been looking for a word to describe what this Eagles team looked like. And the words lethargic, uninterested, all coming to mind. And what I saw, and again, I, I think this is all relative and why I think he isn't up. What I saw from AJ Brown is he was getting in Stefan Gilmore's face. He was starting fights with him. Like that to me is mm. indicative of someone who's not sort of like giving up and playing uninterested football. That to me is a guy that is getting angry. He's getting upset and he's getting in one. Of, frankly, this is a rivalry, right? Like this is the Eagles and Dallas yeah. Cowboys rivalry. And oftentimes when you see at the end of these games, players are like hugging, exchanging jerseys. Like there's no love lost between AJ Brown and Stefan Gilmore. And I saw that level of intensity that I wanted to see from other players. Unfortunately, it was just one player in my mind. So maybe this is, again, just relative to everyone else. Sure. AJ Brown stood out to me. I feel like there's there's like a, a, a fine line. And sometimes AJ t- dips his toe into that immaturity part. And so Whereas I can appreciate the passion and I can appreciate at least like somebody trying to like get under, you know, ruffle some feathers. There are also times where it's like it it feels like we're being sore losers or it just feels like, you know, we're we're not producing on the field. So we don't really deserve to talk a bunch of smack. So that's sometimes where I'm like with AJ, like I love the guy, but sometimes I'm like when we're getting blown out, it's like now's not the time because you're just coming off as being butthurt. Um, Alex, let's get into your two ups. Yeah, so one of them, and it's funny because I actually stepped away for a brief second. Um, So at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, you can order food to your seat. And Ali got (laughs) a plate of nachos. And I'm like, oh, 
I'm doing that. But it took a while to get there, so I ran away. I look up on the screen. Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, uh, gave a play for a forced fumble for a touchdown. It was really exciting. I don't think the defensive line had themselves a great game. Um, It's like every single time Tony Pollard. I was actually really surprised to see that he averaged a little bit over three and a half per carry. I felt like he was getting seven every time he touched the ball. Uh, I actually don't think the defensive line had themselves a good game. But to see a fumble, forced fumble recovery on Dak Prescott, run back for a touchdown, I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty exciting. It got everyone amped up. thought, again, this was the big Dom getting punched in the face moment that the tide was going to turn, and unfortunately it wasn't. And then the second thing, uh, talking a little bit about the offensive line, but I really actually think that (laughs) – and I may get hung for this, but I I don't think Jalen actually looked that bad from – what we have seen characteristically. He was only sacked one time. He got the ball out very quick. He trusted his reads. He didn't trip over himself, which I hate to say is actually enough for him. (laughs) Um, And there was a few times that he did make a big play. He avoided a sack on that fourth down play, even though he threw it to Devonta Smith and Devonta got blown up because AJ Brown, Ali didn't pick up his, pick just just want to put that out there he didn't chicken wing out there to slow the defender down to get him or his third leg (laughs) not a chicken wing or his third third leg leg, or his third leg um but but i even looked at ali and said hertz did the absolute best he could on that play he got it out really quick and there's a really long was like third and like 17 situation or whatever he broke free from the defensive line and ended up making a really accurate pass down the throw um he didn't have a great game but i do think um, he looked a little bit more confident. It looked like he trusted his reads a little bit more. He got the ball out. He didn't get hurt too much. The fumbles, uh, some of the other things are just totally, you know, unforgivable. Um, but I think I think Jalen actually played with a little bit of authority, and and, and I I am not too worried about the the second half of um, or the the final stretch of games that we have upcoming here. Yeah, I th- I thought from an accuracy standpoint, I thought Jalen played very well. I I didn't notice any accuracy issues. Um, you know, a, a lot of the issues that I take with this offense does tend to come from the coaching and the play calling. So, um, you know, we're, we're about to get into the down. So, I, you know, I'm going to save some of my thoughts and let you guys give yours first. Um, I, I'll be surprised if if the one I'm thinking of in particular isn't said by one of the two of you. But uh, yeah, to your point, Alex, I thought I thought Jalen looked okay. You know, the fumbles are kind of freak things. Although, you know, he's got what 15, he's got 15 turnovers. He, he has a fumble in his, in, in the last seven games. So whereas I, I was just saying how it's not something to really worry about. It is something to worry about, mm-hmm. I guess, because it is a little Wentzian of him. And I don't, I don't think they're the same person by any means, but it is very, uh, you know, it does remind me of how we felt during that time where Wentz could not protect the football. Um, yeah. So yeah, Ali, anything you want to add to that about Hertz's performance? Yeah, I I mean, when is he going to have a complete game where yeah. he throws for 300 yards, multiple touchdowns, rushes him in and doesn't turn the ball over? I like don't know if I, that's I, his I game can... though. I don't know Hopefully if, the playoffs. Like, but I, I don't fine, know if fine, that's his Alex, game though. When is he going to have a game when he has some type of production without a turnover? Like I, I'm, I'm getting to a point where like a turnover isn't just like a back, like it is points off the board. Uh, Obviously our defense can't stop anyone. So it's not only points off the board, but that's an extra possession for the other team's offense because our defense isn't stopping anyone from getting into the red zone or the end zone. So like that's that's potentially a 14 point play right there. Every time he turns the ball over, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of it. 
Honestly, I'm tired of it. And the three turnovers across the whole team in the red zone, if those are field goals, it's a one possession game. If those are touchdowns, we're leading the game, right? It's like, it's really the difference maker. I mean, that's, that's, that's the whole thing. Zero Um, offensive touchdowns with this offense is criminal. Yeah, really. All right. Well, I let's mean, just get let's just get yeah. right into the down since we're going there. So um, now this is an unvetted source, but I do trust it. Um, so I do want to read a quick report on how bad the offense is. Ali, get ready to put your bib on. I'm digging into some analytics, and I think you'll like this an awful lot. Well, dribble, dribble, um, dribble. So it's called "How to Fix the Passing Game," and this is from Eagles underscore Everything on Instagram. So uh, one of our followers uh, sent me this, and I was absolutely shocked to, to see it. Um, so here's the passing game. Uh, Jalen Hurts has an expected completion percentage of 61.6% this season, the second lowest in the NFL. However, Hurts is presented with the second most difficult throws on average in the entire NFL. If you want to know how to fix the offense, start with finding some easy buttons in the passing game. Hurts' completion percentage is over expectation is at plus 4.9%, which is the highest in the NFL. So what that is saying is that the system is making it as difficult as possible and the playmakers have outperformed above what is expected, meaning we have the talent, but the scheme that we are being put in is putting us at a tremendous disadvantage. So what Bryce are... Young, Bryce Young is the only quarterback that has a... Uh, or or the Panthers, I guess, are, are the only team that has more a more difficult pass uh I, I forget how what term you use to describe it but Jalen's the only team that is throwing more difficult passes are the Panthers so, and they have so, nobody on their offense yeah so so that's actually a good thing about Jalen's performance is he's outperforming the difficulty of the scheme is that he's put in so what are some of those easy buttons right the things to say hey what can we double down on and this is the part that should infuriate every single Philadelphia Eagles fans So the first thing is throwing the ball between the numbers. The Eagles are eighth in yards per attempt and sixth in success rate when throwing between the numbers, but they are 30th in percentage of passes thrown between the numbers. 30th. Life gets much easier for defense. They don't have to worry about covering 60% of the field. Okay. Running back screens. The Eagles are fourth in the NFL in success rate on running back screens, but they rank 28th. In usage, slants. The Eagles are seventh in success rate on slants, but rank 22nd in usage. Curls. The Eagles rank first, number one in the NFL in success rate on cor- curls, and they rank 28th in usage. Those are the all to thing, AJ. <laughs> the thing that is so incredibly upset about that is we know we're three guys with a microphone and an Instagram post. Like we know what works and we're not going back to things that work. The only thing in our arsenal that we know that works sometimes is a quarterback draw. And I guarantee, and I don't know the stats where I guarantee we're in the top five in the NFL that run the amount of quarterback draws that we do because we know it works. How difficult is it to know what plays are working and what isn't? And we are knowingly putting Jalen Hurts in a difficult scheme where he has to go above what is expected of him to do instead of giving him the easy plays or the things that we know we're successful at. It's just maddening. I could keep on going on this, but I definitely want to hear both your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm glad you you brought up the screen game um, because, again, like DeAndre Swift not even having a target this past game or – no, he didn't have a single target this past game. Uh, it seems like the QB draw is used when 
when we, when when we're sensing a blitz. It seems like that's the only like get out of jail card that we play when when there's pressure coming is just run the QB draw up the middle, which sometimes worked. And heck, it even worked on the play that Jalen fumbled the ball. It was a nice eleven yard run up the middle, and unfortunately, he didn't you know hit the ground with with possession. Um, I don't understand why we can't run more of these little dump off plays when you're sensing pressure, you know, you have these offensive linemen, you know, Kelsey's MO is getting, is getting out in front and getting in and and getting blocks downfield. I don't understand why we don't run these high percentage plays more. Um, There's more that I want to get into, but I don't want to spoil anything that Ali might say. So Ali, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a broken record at this point, right? Like, Whoever it is, Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, like I, I don't know who's responsible for creating these offensive schemes with these incredibly long routes that take like it take an incredibly long time to develop. Yep. You got Jalen Hurts literally standing back there waiting for routes to develop like two, three, four, five seconds, and we're like, I actually just looked this up, and I've been repeating this stat over and over. Time to throw is like such a an interesting stat for me this year because the difference in quarterback success rate with low time to throw versus high time to throw is astronomical. Who are the top low time to throw quarterbacks? Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Tua. The two of those guys, Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott, are leading the MVP odds right now. Quick who is the highest? Who is the highest quarterback in time to throw? It's Brian, Jalen Hurts. Jalen it's Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And I don't understand why we can, to your point, Alex, like we're three guys with microphones and we see it. You've got guys who are standing outside the Novacare complex holding posters that tell Nick Sirianni run the ball. And what we had, we had what, six carries in the first half. I I just, I, I don't understand the regression that happened to this offense. Well, actually I kind of do, right? Like your offensive coordinator leaving. And the offensive coordinator that was responsible for an immensely high progression for a quarterback that not many people expected to succeed, taking them to the Super Bowl, that offensive coordinator left the organization and you replaced them with someone who is woefully underprepared and woefully inexperienced. Yeah, this is likely to happen. I don't put this the, these woes, these offensive woes on our offense. I put them on the coaching. I put them on the coaching for not putting players in positions to allow them to succeed. Players help you execute, but coaches at the end of the day win games through their offensive schemes and their defensive schemes. And we're going to get into the defense, obviously. But when I see teams like Kyle Shanahan, who take guys like Brock Purdy, the last pick of the draft, and are making him an MVP candidate, coaches like Mike McCarthy, who fire Kellen Moore, or Kellen Moore leaves the the, the Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy takes over Uh, play calling and Dak Prescott isn't throwing interceptions anymore and he's looking like an MVP candidate like coaching can put your players in the position to be most successful and our players are winning games despite our coaches not because of them it's not like we don't have the personnel to be successful with these quick throws yet we only seem to really like doing it to Julio Jones but like that even Dallas Goddard has shown the ability to take a screen pass and turn it into a 15 yard gain yeah. you have AJ Brown who's a very slippery he's a very difficult player to tackle and then we even saw Devonte Smith last week or the week before you know take a little screen pass and 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 turn it into a great up you know a, a great gain so the fact that they 
they have this simplicity that they can choose from. They have the personnel to be able to, to run whatever they want. And instead, they're just going for these high difficulty, you know, long time to develop plays. And it's it's super duper frustrating. So um, it's super duper, it's super right, duper, Su- super, super duper, duper frustrating. Yeah. And, and, and I guess like my last thing on this, too, and, and there's reports coming out is just like Eagles players are even saying it's just not creative. It's predictable. It's vanilla. Right? There's there's no I just feel like we just have the right team and we have the right quarterback to just do this like slight misdirection um, really hammer in on the RPO and not just RPO where, where you're lined up in the shotgun formation and Deandre Swift, or I'm sorry, Kenny Gainwell or Boston Scott. Cause we don't want to put Deandre Swift in the game. I don't understand any of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fake handoff right there. And like, I just, I, I don't get it. Like Carson Wentz made it a little bit more interesting in that, in that offense. Like, I just, I don't know. It, it, it's maddening to me. So, it's, um, yeah. so I already g- did give you guys my, my second down with AJ Brown, um, I will say though, just as a as part of the game, um, <laughs> uh, here's my other down. Losing the game wasn't as bad as walking to the damn car after losing the game. <laughs> the Dallas fans were super nice to us all game. They were chirping a little bit. Nothing really out of the ordinary that you wouldn't expect. And oh no, man, they came out in numbers, and we left like you know halfway through the fourth quarter because I was like, Ali, we're not, we're not staying through through the rest of this, man. So they were feeling themselves, huh? They were, they were feeling themselves, and they should. I mean, listen, um, we dropped to the number five seed. If we went out this season because the Cowboys lost more NFC games, we can still win the division. I think the number one seed is basically gone if the Ravens are are almost losing games to the Rams. Like there are only hope in us winning out and, and them, you know, losing one um, to be able to get the number one seed. But here's the thing. I just want to remind everyone at the macro level, we looked at this gauntlet. We looked at these games and most of us predicted two or three losses to finish. Not this like stretch. This. I know. Hold on to finish the stretch three and two at the beginning of the season. We would have been okay with it. I just want everyone to remind that. Then however, our expectations got messed up once they started beating these teams. However, however, I am worried about the Seahawks. I am worried about Tommy Same. DeVito looking like a freaking all-star last night against a pretty stout Green Bay defense. To everyone that is saying all we have to do is win out is buckle up. Because if this is what we're coming with, we ain't going to get it. This is the same defense that the Seattle Seahawks put over 35 on. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't that be was the this. same defense. If, if this is what you guys think is it, buckle up. Buckle yeah. up. Unfortunately, progress is not what we're seeing. We've just been seeing the complete opposite. So, Ali, hit me with your two downs. I know you've been jonesing to let it out. So, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, so... Um... My two downs are actually going to be um, related to one another. Um, the first one is our uh, our our linebacker core, mm. uh, specifically Nicholas Morrow. Um, there was a point in the game where I looked over at Alex and I was like, "Is that Shaq Leonard on the field?" And sure enough, our boy Shaq Leonard, newly signed, was on the field. And guess what? That was the first. Uh, that was the first. Um, what do you call it? Um, possession that the Dallas Cowboys had in that game that did not end in a touchdown or a field goal when Shaq Leonard was on the field. For whatever reason, our coaching staff decided to put Nicholas Morrow back in there, and then you saw the success rate of the Dallas Cowboys 
come back. So I sent this text to our group thread um, while we were in the game, basically saying that the last 11 uh, uh, possessions that the Eagles defense had were six straight touchdowns, the end of the game, because the game ended, and then six more, or I'm sorry, five more touchdowns after that. I can't do math. Four more touchdowns after that. It was incredibly frustrating to see our defense in and its woes, right? So the first one is Nicholas Morrow. The second one is, frankly, our coaching staff and how this defense has become one of the absolute worst, not only in the NFL, but one of the worst that I've ever seen as a football fan. Our offensive or our opponent's points per game ranks 28th in the league. Our yards per game ranks 22nd. Our points per play ranks 26th. Our yards per play is 23rd. Third down conversion, we already knew this. We are the absolute worst team in the NFL when it comes to third down conversions. And I said this last week, out of the bottom 10 teams in third down conversions, we're the only one that has a winning record, which is insane. Our fourth down conversion is 20th. Our red zone scoring uh, percentage, so teams able to score a touchdown in the red zone is 30th. So there's only two teams ahead of us in, in being terrible. Um, and then our uh, <laughs> touchdowns per game, the number of touchdowns that we give up is 29th in the NFL. Nowhere in there did I say any number that was below 20. On top of that, our point differential. You look at the Dallas Cowboys this year, they have 188 points in their differential, which means out of all their games, they have beat their teams, they've beat all, all their opponents by combined points of 188 points. The 49ers, 175 points. The Dolphins, 117 points. The Bills, 104 points. Who is the team that's all the way at number 11? It's the Philadelphia Eagles with 21. This entire season, 21. we've 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 only had a point differential of 21 points and yet we're 10 and 3 somehow. I I heard yeah, I actually heard a stat a little bit earlier today that of like over it was like 104 instances of an NFL team having 10 wins. The Eagles are like second to last in the point differential that they've had at at the point of being a 10 win team. So you're right on the money. This is a historically historically bad defense. And I worry that our coaching staff is going to look at it and not see the glaring holes that we all see as fans, that the media sees when it's watching these Eagles play. There's a reason why we were an underdog at home against the 49ers, because we were not passing the eye test to Vegas. There was a reason why we were an underdog in Dallas. Frankly, we should have been an underdog by way more points because of how we lost to the 49ers, but (laughs) we failed to pass the eye test. And I don't know what the spread looks like against us in Seattle, but I can't. I I almost like would be shocked if we were any type of favorite. Like we have to be going into that game as an underdog against Seattle, and for good reason. We've got the worst defense. And like I said, if we turn the ball over, if we don't score on every single drive, that is essentially a fourteen-point play or an eleven-point play, depending on how you look at it. Because we're going to kick a field goal and they're going to go off and and score a touchdown. Well, the Eagles are actually a four-point favorite, so uh, spoiler wow. alert, some, somebody might be taking the Seahawks and swinging but it. But I think it's only week. because Drew Locke is probably playing quarterback yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, even they had some pretty explosive plays against um, what they looked like. Um, I do have one topic I do want to talk with you guys, and I, I, I need to cover it on the podcast, but anything more about the Eagles and that down, Andrew? Um, 
there was one more. Hold on, I just had my little statistics up here. Yeah, one one more thing to add to the numbers that Ali was giving us. Uh, Philadelphia sack rate is four point two percent over the last four games, which is thirtieth in the NFL. So if the Eagles aren't pressuring the quarterback, if they're not getting sacks, and hey, I mean, props to Hassan Reddick. I mean, I I think he had two more. Uh, he's got like thirteen on the season now, which feels, or maybe it's eleven. But at any rate, he got a very late start, and he's still putting up great numbers again. Um, but you know, it's like you got Josh Sweat and, and Reddick, they're both playing over 75% of the snaps. They don't have any depth on this defense and you're seeing Kelly Ringo. You're seeing you, like, you, you have to Eli see Ricks. Nolan Smith out there. Yeah. Eli Ricks. Like you have, you, you have practice squad players that are, are forced in there because we're so slow defensively and you need these reinforcements to try to provide some speed. But then on the defensive line, you don't have enough reinforcements, so you can't put pressure on the quarterback. So it's just... It's this revolving door of suck that is. Um, I don't. I, our 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 secondary is not getting any younger. So I just I, we we didn't replenish the secondary. We we put everything into the pass rush. So um, it's very concerning. Yeah, it's pretty bad. When uh, Ali and I we, we made friends, the Cowboys fan next to us, and uh, it was third and like twelve, and we are both like holding on third, to our third, hats. third and seventeen, third, third and seventeen, third and seventeen, and did they convert that one? They or did. was there a PI or was yeah, there, there was, something? Yeah. yeah. We're sitting there telling her saying we're the worst in the NFL on third down and watch this. The one <laughs> time we punted, we were like, holy crap, but the game was too far gone. All right. I want to talk to you guys about something. What the heck is going on in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes right now? What he displayed was by far the worst act of sportsmanship I've ever seen in my entire life i mean i have not liked patrick mahomes for a little bit after he got his big contract and he's pointing at the refs and everything but an offsides call mind you and if no one watched it basically what happened Kadarius tony lined up offsides on to play the kansas city chiefs would have scored a touch on him most likely the game wasn't technically over yet they would have won they called it back next play was an incomplete pass game is over Patrick Mahomes runs to the middle of the field after the game to go shake Josh Allen's hand, and there's a mic on him, and he is complaining about the call. This is BS. I've never had this happen. This is BS. This is BS. This is BS. He's on the sidelines getting like pushed back from everyone, and then Andy Reid goes as far to make comments on it too, and Patrick Mahomes takes the podium and says, it's a shame that we miss out on Travis Kelsey's good play there because he lateraled it to Tony, and that's not going to be on his highlight reel. Am I missing something? Am, am I missing something here whatsoever in 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 why we shouldn't be outraged he over also, such a poor sport? He also went on to say that you can't make a call like that at that point in the game. That's that not he a was tic-tac on. play. It is offsides. It is clear as day. I understand. I'm just telling you what Patrick Mahomes said in Don't. his press conference. <laughs> he's, he's, and, he's trying to and, highlight the hypocrisy, Alex. Yeah. But it's his own hypocrisy because he was the beneficiary of of a call that didn't that shouldn't that that was very borderline and and that happened at a, at a time of the, even in a much more important game in the effing Super Bowl. So who how the hell are you going to stand up there and and talk about the refs making a call that they shouldn't make at that point of the game when you literally won the biggest championship in sports because of that the year before you effing fraud? Anyway, sorry. So here's my take. Um, the NFL two years ago called offensive offsides one time. One time that flag was thrown for offensive offsides. Last year, 
there were two penalties for offensive offsides. And you could say that that's because referees, the side judges and the receivers are constantly communicating, saying, hey, I'm on the line or I'm off the line. And the referees say like, hey, take a step back or whatever. This year, before the season started, the uh, NFL Players and Coaches Association uh, communicated with the referees and the referees stated, stated, hey, we are going to emphasize calling these penalties of offensive offsides much more critically this season. They said that at the beginning the of the Eagles season. Eagles have before, had at least like three this year. Right. And they've all been falsely because, called. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, well, this year, that call has been called 11 times. Wow. 11. Right. So you go from one and two to 11. And it's coming right after the referee said, we are going to emphasize that we are going to call this penalty. So to get upset over something that the referees have already told you, hey, we're going to emphasize looking at this to make sure your receivers are lining up correctly. To get upset at the referees for calling something that is in fact offsides, because it wasn't like this was one of those things where like illegal formation, a receiver line covered the, the, the tackle, or there were eight men on the line of scrimmage. Like this dude was literally standing in the neutral zone and he was looking directly at the ball. This is poor playing. This is poor coaching. And to see Andy Reid go up there on the podium and basically disparage the referees for making a right call, a call that they said they were going to emphasize at the beginning of the season, frankly, is embarrassing. I it's, think it's, it's because like, it's yeah, there were no warnings. There were no warnings given, and apparently it wasn't the first time. Dude, what uh, that, that Tony w- What? What do you mean? Warnings? <laughs> they did he warn was off sides. He was in <laughs> they, the neutral zone. They did. I love him just absorbing all of this. Alex just, just fury right now. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just answering the question. (laughs) Well, and no, like I I understand that like wide receivers go, Hey, am I good? Right. And, and, and they say that it, and we saw it in week one with the Kansas city chiefs with the uh, offensive lineman that kept like false starting. And then I sure they gave him a warning and said, yo, you need to stop. And then they started throwing false start penalties. Like I get that. This is a very, 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 very different thing to me. I think false start to an extent can be discretionary. I think pass interference is up to the ref's discretion. Holding is up to the ref's discretion. There are very few penalties, including if the ball is in or out of the end zone, that align very – like you can see that it happens. There doesn't need to be a warning. Pre-jumping a snap count because Mahomes is saying something so you know when the snap count is coming, I can understand a little warning there. There's no warning with you lining up in the neutral zone. And then Mahomes saying it has no bearing on the game. The NFL is consistent of being half a step faster than the next person. Of course, being further up the field helps you with a little bit of advantage. Maybe not like a drastic advantage and he was wide open on that play, but still. Just, just, just the audacity for him to say yeah. that is just like mind blowing to me. Yeah. So you know what the you know what this actually. Sorry, Drew, I keep me cutting of? you off too, man. Yeah, go, go ahead, Drew. Go ahead. Thought. No, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate your AJ Brown like passion right now. You know, you just you can't you can't get him to calm down. Just cool. Go go sit in the corner and cool off, will you? Leave me alone. No, I'm just joking. Um, I don't even remember what I was going to say. Um, no, what I do think is 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 lame is that they let that whole play transpire like you could have probably avoided a lot of 
a, a, a lot of you know the no because the defense can commit a penalty that that's why they they only throw a flag on a dude I'm doing it again I'm so sorry it wasn't a free play like it wasn't a free play but they they treated it as such when it should have just been blown dead from the start but the, right? but so but those are the rules like it's not a dead ball foul so they can't stop the play before it happens it's it's a it's a uh, like. It's the same as when an, a defensive player lines up in the neutral zone, right? So like what if there was an interception? Them. If there was an interception on the play, then they would allow that to stand because it was against the mm-hmm. offense? Yeah. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Or the defense could commit a penalty and they could be offsetting, right? Because then, then they both committed a foul. The only Correct. reason they blow false starts dead is because that's that's just before the, the game even started. But um, even on the offsides, only if it's like unimpeded like to the quarterback, they'll blow it dead. But usually they're trying to get them to jump off sides because they get the free play and say, hey, no matter what happens, right. we'll, we'll get it back. So Right, right. So you know what this actually reminds me of? It reminds me of like... A baby? It reminds me AJ Brown's of third leg. All of the movements that we've seen over the last like few years of, you know, marginalized communities that, you know, go out and protest and they're like, we're being oppressed against, right? Like stuff is, uh, all these uh, things are happening in our community and, and, you know, we're being oppressed by the system in our society. And then if like the least marginalized comes out and is like, oh yeah, we've, we, we've been oppressed against too. Right. And I'm saying this because we, there is a, a meme of the Kansas city chiefs and Patrick Mahomes being aided by the referees throughout his entire career. It is a longstanding sort of stereotype that Patrick Mahomes gets aided by the referees. And for the first time in his career, he was not aided by the referees. One thing that I will say now, this shouldn't take away from the fact that there has been a, like a pretty systemic issue with refereeing in the NFL this year. And it's pretty apparent they are not doing as good of a job as we should expect them to do. Considering the money that they're making, considering the money that goes into these games, I would expect that there is more accurate sort of refereeing in these games. But Patrick Mahomes responding in that way is literally similar to like, you know, a white dude basically saying like, Oh, you know, these white people over here are racist against me. Right. Like it's, it's just one of those things in my mind where it's like, it's, you you have been, you have been the beneficiary of a lot that has come in your life. And when something doesn't go your way, don't call that oppression. Right. And Patrick Mahomes was put in that position where he has been the beneficiary of a lot in his entire career. And when one thing doesn't go wrong, right in his in his career, he throws a hissy fit. He get up, it gets upset at it, even though he's been the beneficiary. But like I said, that shouldn't take away from the fact that refereeing has been god awful this year. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it wasn't even a hissy fit, man. He was like having people holding him back on the sidelines. He's screaming. And just yeah. like at the end, like I know it's a heated debate. I'm not expecting him to go to center field and say, "Hey, Josh, you you want to go out for sushi tonight with me and me and Brittany?" But here's the thing, man: the Mahomes family's under a little bit of scrutiny right now, especially with his brother and the way he's been acting. And now we're starting to see some character traits in Patrick that when he doesn't get what he wants, that's the way he acts. The media is going to look at that underneath the microscope and and run with it. So. Be ready, Patrick, because like they're coming for you, dude. So exhibit that character off the field. Like I'm not saying money's going to fix all of your problems, but you're the top paid quarterback. You are paid that because you are a leader. You're the best athlete on the team. 
And if that's how you're going to react in those situations, man, like you're not doing a good thing for your brand. You're not being a good role model to the kids out there, but that's what you want to have, man. Have at it. Yeah, I remember images of Tom Brady on the sideline, you know, reaming out his offensive line. And I do think some of Patrick Mahomes frustration comes from having a really lousy receiver core. And honestly, it's just the result of losing a lot of close games that, you know, maybe if if certain players, you know, if, if Valdez Scantling came down with the ball against the Eagles, they they would have beat us. Um, so you're just seeing frustration and that's how he's choosing to handle it, which I think is. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you're the face of the league, you should. You know, you got to handle yourself a little bit. Come on, we'll, refs! We'll, we'll, that that was the one time Kadarius Tony caught the pass. Like you got to just let him have it. Yeah. Like, you just gotta let me let have, it. have it. Just let me have it. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe he can call Jake from State Farm, and you know he can he can help wipe Patrick's tears away or or something. I don't know. <laughs> you you know how, how like Doug Peterson can go into Philly and get a meal for free no matter what restaurant he goes oh, into. Of course, the Kelsey brothers can go to any restaurant in the entire world and and get what they want. Kadarius Tony has to probably pay double price wherever he goes to because <laughs> no one wants to serve that dude. <laughs> Yet he still has a damn Super Bowl ring from last year. Gosh. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, he did. All right, guys. We ran a little bit over, but I think that uh, that that Mahomes debate needed to be said. It's been bothering me all freaking day. Been reading about it. So glad to hear you guys' opinions. Um, I'll send us home. I'm going to be on a work trip this week, so I'm leaving it up to these two guys uh, to be able to hold it down. No parents. Um, this has been episode 76, guys. Uh, we got some big things going on. I won't be here for the Seahawks debate. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it. But I think um, <laughs> we'll see. I don't even know what I think. But all right, guys, thanks for kicking it with us. We'll see you later. Go, Go birds. birds. I guess. <laughs> Go birds. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.